Come on in this morning. Jeremy's not here this morning, so we're all in here for Old Testament, and it is going to be a blast, a blast. It is going to be so much fun. You will have never thought that the Old Testament could be this fun. There is uh, a handout on the back, which I would encourage you to pick up. Um, There should be a lot of note-taking, hopefully, um, this morning and in the weeks to come. Before we start, um, I'm going to turn there. I'm going to have up on the screen, hopefully, this whole time, maybe every now and then some slides, but generally speaking, um, uh, scripture that we're going to be looking at. So I'd encourage you, if you don't have your Bible, to at least follow along up there. Um, But definitely have your Bible open if you can. Have some room. Maybe you have your your Bible to your side and then note something to, to write on. But turn to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah 9, 23. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Jeremiah 9, beginning verse 23, says this. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I think it's a good reminder. Um, Anytime we come to studying any passage of scripture, it's so easy for it to turn into an academic study. Oh, hey, I want to look at this because I don't know Ezekiel very well. Oh, uh, this will be fun. I'd really like to learn more about First and Second Samuel. I don't, I don't know those books. I want to learn more about those. And it's really easy that our pursuit of Bible knowledge turns into just that. We know more facts. We know more stuff about the Bible. Oh, that was interesting. I never heard that. That's cool. And it doesn't change us. And it's just a good reminder of, I mean, I go back to this, Jeremiah 9.23, we're going to get there, Lord willing, in a few weeks. But the prophet is indicting Israel because they're saying, hey, I've got wisdom. I've got might. I've got strength. I've got riches. I've got all this stuff. And particularly honing in on wisdom. Oh, hey, I know this. I've learned this. This is so cool. But what's the goal? Verse 24, let him who boasts... Boast in this. This is what we should boast in. That he understands and knows me. So all of our pursuit of Bible knowledge is ultimately to know who? God. To to know him. We don't just study it because it's cool. Yes, it is cool and fascinating and exciting. But we study it because we want to know the Lord. I was reminded of this. I I graduated from seminary, seminary recently, and a buddy of mine, we were roommates at great friend of mine. We were roommates down at Masters for a couple years, and he finished at TMS when I finished at Southern, and we were just kind of reflecting on um, seminary, and we were kind of discussing, hey, are you going to keep going? You going to try and do your doctorate and all this stuff? And we were texting, and I figured I'm just going to say this because it pierced my soul. Um, He was 
This is just a text from him. I was rereading through a little book by Maurice Roberts. He's an old English guy. And there was a quote that jumped out off the page. Here's the quote. Unsanctified learning has done much harm to the church. Neither morality, nor giftedness, nor eloquence, nor cleverness is the marrow of Christianity. Godliness is. I think a lot of what we see in academia, this is him talking, my friend. I think a lot of what we see in academia is just that, unsanctified learning. People read much, people speak much, people tweet much, but at times it's just that, just dry. And I was like, man, it's so true. Um, It's heavy, but I think Jeremiah is saying the same thing, that we can boast in, oh man, hey, I'm taking Old Testament 2, and I was in Old Testament 1, and this is going to be so exciting. Let's not lose sight of what we're trying to do. We want to know God and love him more as a result, amen? That's what we're trying to do. So let me pray, and then we're going to get into, get into this. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Lord, thank you for your word, that it is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament, that your word cuts us deep. Lord, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would do that even this morning, that you would help us to see the beauty, the riches of your word, and that we would be changed into your image as a result, that you work through your word. And that is what we're doing as we gather this morning in equipping hour and in the sermon. We're saying, Lord, please work through your word. We need your help. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time this morning. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so I'm going to get into some kind of side details, and then we're going to get going. Um, I, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm really, really excited for this class. Um, I am a product of my Bible teachers. I don't, is Timmy here? Timmy's in the back. Okay. Timmy went to Masters, and I think we would both attest that our Old Testament classes with Chow changed our lives. Yes? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I am a proud product of my Bible teachers. Okay. I, you might be like, wow, that was really cool. It didn't come from me. There's hardly anything that you're going to hear, I think, that's going to be new material. This is through years of study, learning from many different godly men, and I just want to share that with you guys. Um, When we went to Masters, I think he was a couple years ahead of me, but I mean, it was just sitting in in Old Testament with with Dr. Chow, who's now the president at the university and seminary, and it was like I never read the Bible in my whole life. I was just like, how have I not seen this? And it was just so evident from the text, okay? So do not give any praise to me. If you're like, hey, you did a good job, I'll say, okay, well, thank you. Praise God, okay? But it's coming from other guys, and ultimately it's coming from his word, okay? So just a disclaimer. Okay, a couple of things. How this class is going to work. How many of you guys were in Old Testament 1 with Jeremy in the while ago? Okay, a few, okay? So when you guys did it, you had a huge note packet thing and all kinds of stuff and homework, okay? I'm trying to make this class as accessible for everyone as possible, okay? So we're going to have, look, if you want, if you are retired or you're at home and you got time and you're like, hey, I want to read the Bible more and study it more, hey, more power to you. I can give you more reading than you can handle, okay? And more lectures and stuff than you can handle. Um, For everyone else, I want to make it that, hey, I've got a full-time job, I'm working 50 hours a week, whatever, I've got family, kids, you can still come, and you're still diving in, and you understand, okay? So, so I'm kind of offering, like, like, two paths here, okay? So what I did, um, let me go this way here. I have here kind of a, a syllabus, and you're like, oh, my goodness, syllabus shock. Oh, 
do I have to do this? Oh, I, I have to leave this church. I can't do this. No, you don't have to do that, okay? Um, for those of you who loved Old Testament 1 and you're like, hey, I want to get into more of this, there is all kinds of stuff you can do, okay? So what I actually did, I even have binders, okay? I printed out binders with notes. There's only 32 pages, okay? I can always make more of these if you want, but it's got the syllabus in there. Um, it's not really a syllabus. It's just a scheduled reading, okay? So if you want to, you've kind of got next 12 weeks. By the way, it's going to go to 13 weeks because I can just tell. Um, it's going to go to December 18th. There, there's nothing on December 18th, so I'm like, hey, I'm just going to take it, okay? What? They can't stop me. Um, this week, if you look, look at this week. There's nothing. You didn't have to do anything to come to this class. Look, nothing, okay? Um, but starting next week, we're probably going to spend three weeks in Isaiah because Isaiah is amazing. Isaiah is your Bible in miniature. If you don't know Isaiah, you don't know your Bible, okay? We're going to spend a lot of time in Isaiah. But what you've got there, how many of you guys have dominion and dynasty? How many of you guys, okay? This is the best book I've ever read in the Old Testament, and I mean that. Dr. Chow thinks so too, okay? So don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. A lot of people, okay? So that's what you have over here, Dempster reading. Look, 10 pages, maybe like, maybe like two hours most throughout the week, okay? 10 pages. You've even got the page numbers there, okay? So this is what I'm recommending. If you can read this book, and I made, I think this is cool. If you go on YouTube, I made our own link for videos, okay? Okay, there is, by the way, if you guys don't know this, you can get a seminary quality education online for absolutely free. Like, there is an insane amount of good stuff on there. If you just go on Gospel Coalition courses, there's a lot of good stuff. I don't agree with everything, but a lot of free stuff, okay? But I actually made a YouTube playlist, okay? So you can go on YouTube and you just type in Crossway OT2 videos, and it's going to pop up, okay? And it's going to be, oh, Caleb Lawson made this. Oh, I think that's the guy I'm looking for. Okay. And then... You can read Dempster, your 10 pages, and you can read, uh, listen to, these are all videos, generally speaking, from TMS. So Tom Schreiner is a really well-known um, professor just throughout the world, but he teaches at Southern. And he did a week-long class at Master's Seminary like a week ago, and it's online for free. It's online for free. And his whole thing is going through what we're doing. He goes through the whole Bible. Um, but I put on there, it's like 10 lectures of Old Testament. And then I put on some other fun stuff. Um, we'll get to it at the end, talking about Isaiah, okay? So if you can do those two things, read Dempster, and if you want, watch those videos, maybe an hour a week, and then come to class, you're going to be prepared, you're going to be like, hey, I know what we're talking about. I'm going to knock this out of the park, okay? That, that's another thing. I'm typically very much like, hey, I write out everything I'm going to say. I am not doing that for this class, unless after like two weeks, you're like, dude, this is a train wreck. We have no idea what you're talking about. I don't think it's going to be that, but it could. Um, and what I want is a lot of interaction. Like, I've got notes. I've got the exact same notes that you guys are going to have. And then I just have my own notes next to it. And you're like, hey, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm going to be like, hey, I have the answer. And if I don't have the answer, I'll find the answer because I might not have the answer. Okay? And we'll talk about it. It's going to be fun. This is, side note, I, this is not a, I'm not throwing shade on anyone or anything. But sometimes it, it bothers me sometimes when it's like, oh, okay, we've got a class on marriage, and oh, we've got a class on this, and we're super excited for it. Oh, wow, that's great. That's what I need. And then it's like, oh, we're going to look at the Old Testament. All right. Or we're going to look at a book of the Bible. Oh, okay. Like, this is God's word. Like, like, he has given us his word, and how can we not be excited about that? Okay? 
So if, I, if you guys are bored by this class, I have failed. The Bible is amazing, okay? And we're really going to look at it. We're going to have a lot of fun. So for those of you who want, I think this is going to be less work than, um, than Old Testament 1, but I think it's going to be more fun. I have seven of those notes. So all this is, is it's just the notes, like, it's like 32 pages. Um, so does anyone want these? Does anyone want to do this? They're like, hey, I'm not signing up for anything, but we're, I can always print more, too. Okay, hold on. I'm going to, oh, wow, there's more people. Okay. Here, Brent, can you pass out, like, three of those? Okay, yes. Green, Greenfields, can you guys share for today? Okay, yes, and I can, I can email you a PDF, too, if you want. Okay, I'll make, yes. Uh, Walter, could you pass those out? Thank you. Okay, I can, yes, talk to me, text me, email me. I'll have my people talk to your people. We'll get, a, okay. I, yeah, PDF, we can do all that. What's that? Signal, yeah. Yeah, I can do that. I can, your wish is my command. I can, PDF, uh, you name it, MP4, I can, you know, I, I don't think I can do that, but. Okay, so that's what you've got going on here. I have the um, Darushi reading as well. Do you guys have this book? This was old, the reason why I have this is because Old Testament one, okay? If you want to read this, great. I think it's boring, so I'm just going to read parts of it, but that's just me. But he does a good job with, like, notes and dates and stuff like that. He, he does good, um, but just in my opinion. And if you want even more, if you're like, hey, this isn't enough, it's like, look, even extra, extra credit reading, okay? If you want Schreiner's book, The Keen is Beauty, you can buy that. This is an amazing, super easy to understand book on the Old Testament and New Testament, the whole thing. Um, I don't agree with everything he says, but it'll give you an interesting point of view. And if you're like, hey, that's not even enough, hey, come talk to me, okay? I can give you more if you want it, okay? Does that make sense? Are you guys in shock? Or are you like, oh, cool. If we do it, we don't. If we don't do it, whatever. Okay. I think it's going to be fun. I think you're going to get the most out of the class, especially if you just spend, you know, 30 minutes and just watch the videos. That's going to give you some thought-provoking stuff for next week. So just, again, go on YouTube, type in Crossway OT2 videos. Okay? Crossway OT2 videos. And then you've got the dates there. And it's like, oh, he's talking about Isaiah. That means we're going to talk about Isaiah next week, okay? If anything changes, I will, I will message you guys, but it's going to be fun. Any questions on that? Okay, let's talk about the Bible, the Old Testament. Okay, why even study the Old Testament? You guys have that there on your outline? Okay, why? Why should we study the Old Testament? What do you think? Okay. What did you say, Reuben? Yeah, amen, that's very true. Christ is there, it's God's word. Someone say something else? Foundation for the New Testament, yeah, that's right. Yeah, sometimes you'll see the Old Testament is the, the shadows and the New Testament is it comes into the light, right? I don't agree with that entirely. But, yeah, the New Testament. Well, why do we need a New Testament? Was there an old one? Yeah. First and foremost, why even study the Old Testament? Because the Bible is a book about God, not about us. We don't study the Bible immediately for, okay, what does this mean for me? We shouldn't do that. The first thing we should do when we come to the Bible is, what does this teach me about God? So sometimes that's actually one of the problems I have when people go to the Old Testament is it's like, well, it's about Israel. It's about all these other people. I'm not there. Why do I need to talk about it? 
Well, who presumed that the Bible was even about you in the first place? It's about God. We need to learn who he is and how he teaches us in his very words who he is. I'll just say this too. If you're like, hey, all I need is the New Testament. Well, for the New Testament authors, what was their Bible? The Old Testament. And we're going to examine that. You're going to see, especially in Isaiah, you're like, hey, I think I've heard that before. I've heard that in the New Testament. Yeah, the New Testament authors are picking up on the Old Testament. The Old Testament is their Bible. You're going to see over and over in the New Testament what this was to fulfill. Oh, that was exciting. Let me mute that. I don't know if that was, I think that was me. Pay attention, all right? All right? You see that over and over in the New Testament. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Well, they're picking up, and they're saying, hey, what he said, this is what's going on. What he said was going to happen. This is taking place. Some of these, you know, verses maybe you're familiar with, right? 2 Timothy 3.16. Let me go there. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Not just the New Testament, the Old Testament. All of it is profitable for all of those things. A good example of this in the Old Testament that backs up inspiration, why we should study it, Zechariah 7.12. The prophet, he's condemning Israel. He says, they made their hearts diamond hard lest they should hear the law, which is the same word we get for Torah, right? Old Testament going back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They made their heart hard against those first five books and the words that the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. So those words, yes, they're spoken by the prophets, but whose words were they? God's words. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. You come over to 1 Timothy 5, verse 18. This is a powerful passage. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, For the scripture says, for God's word says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. That's a quote from Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. He's going back to Deuteronomy. And here's what's amazing. Paul picks up on Deuteronomy 25, also in 1 Corinthians 9, when he's talking about you should pay your pastors. So you see, he's picking it up from Deuteronomy, bringing it over to 1 Corinthians, and bringing it to 1 Timothy, and he's saying, this still stands to be true. And notice what he does. Scripture says, that first quote, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. And he's quoting from the New Testament. He's quoting from Luke 10, verse 7, Jesus' words. And he equates both of them with Scripture. See how everything right there is merging together? Old Testament, the Gospels, the letters, it's all Scripture, right? It's all one book according to the authors. So that's why we study the Old Testament, because we're aiming to learn about God and because the New Testament authors quote the Old Testament as Bible. There's no difference between those two, how we use them, okay? All right, big picture passages. Next point. Big picture passages. I'm trying to do all of Old Testament 1 in about 20 minutes, okay? So hold on. Hold on tight. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle. All right. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And look, I've even highlighted this for you. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What's he trying to stress? He's created them. And they're the crown jewel of creation. You don't see that with the other days. 
You see, specifically on this day, the set-apart nature of mankind being made in God's image to reflect his glory, right? Verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion, okay? So you have man is created to reflect the image of God, to reflect his glory, I would argue, and to fill the whole earth. So what, what's the, the goal of mankind? Fill the earth with God's glory, right? As his image bearers, right? And you see this language of be fruitful and multiply. And you're going to see this. I'm actually going to look it up real quick here. So you guys are going to be like, whoa, this is cool. You're going to see this throughout. I meant to do this earlier, but I was running out of time. You're going to see this developed throughout the Old Testament. This language of be fruitful and multiply. Actually, I'm going to do something else here because oops. it's a key motif, if you want to say that. It's a key recurring theme, fruitful and multiply. We're just going to do this. So I know it's tiny and you guys can't see it. But what I did here was basically just did a search on fruitful and multiply appearing in the same verse, okay? And you see this all throughout. This really drives the book of Genesis and, I would argue, the rest of the Old Testament that we're going to see, right? Be fruitful and multiply, okay? Then you have after uh, the curse, after the Noahic covenant, right? When God is saying to Noah after the flood, what are they to do? Be fruitful and multiply. He's going back to Genesis 1, that same creation mandate you need to fulfill, God bless Noah and his sons, be fruitful and multiply. And you, be fruitful and multiply, okay? You have coming down, I mean, this is all throughout, um, again, picking up in Ezekiel, talking about the new covenant. You go to um, Exodus chapter 1, I first saw this, I was like, wow. Look at Exodus 1 verse 7. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. What does that sound like? Genesis 1. What's the problem with Israel, though? Where are they? They're in Egypt. So they're being fruitful and multiplying, but they're not in the right place. They're in the wrong land. they got to get out. And that leads to what? The exodus, getting them out, okay? So we see that all developed right at the beginning, but we know that not all is well in Eden, right? We have the fall. You come over to Genesis 3.15. We have the, what people call the first gospel, Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity. This is God speaking to Adam and Eve, and he's talking about their seed and the descendant of um, uh, Satan's seed. You're going to see this traced throughout. I'll put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring, the seed of the serpent, and her offspring, the seed of the woman. He shall bruise your head, meaning the seed of the woman will deliver like a death blow. Like what's worse, when you get hit in the head or the heel? Like a heel wound, it's like, okay, you're limping around, but like, it's a heel, okay? Someone messes with your head, you're messed up, right? Yeah, so he's, dr- he's making a point. He's, the serpent is going to deal a minor wound to the seed of the woman, but the seed of the woman is going to crush the serpent's head, right? And that really drives the rest of the Old Testament. So be fruitful and multiply. Well, how is this going to happen? Through the seed of the woman, who's going to undo the curse of the fall, We move through with, um, uh, you know, rather than the earth being full of God's glory, you don't have this in your notes, but in Genesis 6 in here, you're going to see, I can't find it, 
There it is, Genesis 6:11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence rather than what? With God's glory. Rather than filled with mankind perfectly reflecting his image. So that's why the flood happens. He starts over a clean slate. But even after that, we see, um, what is he? I think he even says it right here. Uh, yeah, mankind, the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. There's a problem with the heart of mankind. That's the problem. And even after the flood, that still remains. So then we come to Genesis 12, the call of Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse or I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here, three things. Write this down, land, seed, and blessing, okay? Land, seed, and blessing. This is what God is promising to Abraham and his descendants, that they're going to have a place, a land. They're going to be blessed by God to be a blessing to the nations. This is really, really important, and we're going to see this picked up in the prophets, that it's not, God's plan was never just for Israel, never, from Genesis 12. It was that Israel would be God's chosen people so that they would bless all the other nations, okay? So when you come to, uh, especially in the New Testament, you know, issues of Jew-Gentile, they should have understood that in the Old Testament already, organically coming from the text, was that Israel was to bless the nations, right? We see that right here. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And you really see this, Genesis 12 through 17 um, is really important. It's not, the Abrahamic covenant is not just in Genesis, well, it's not actually in Genesis 12, it's in Genesis 15, when the covenant is actually sworn in. But you need to understand all of those, Genesis 12 through 17, or just 12, 15, 17. Yes? Oh, it is up on mine. Oh, no. Sorry, guys. Can't handle the, the power. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Thank you. Let's try this again. I did not anticipate technology problems. Hey, that's all right. I can, we can just move along, and we will do the best we can. We'll try to fix that throughout the week. Genesis 12, 1 and 3. We'll move on, okay? Sets the agenda for the rest of the Old Testament. Genesis 49, 10. You guys with me? Genesis 49. This is where you have... These are the last words of um, Jacob. And within that, he's blessing his, um, yeah, it says it can't connect. That's all right. We will, we'll deal with that uh, next week. I'll troubleshoot and try and help you guys with that. But we'll just follow along. Genesis 49, okay? You have this prophecy that, if you guys are with me, Genesis 49, verse 10, the scepter, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. So Jacob is blessing particularly his son Judah, and he's saying that he will have the, if you want to say rulership, he's going to have the scepter, he's going to have the authority, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him. And that's a, we don't know what that passage means, a lot of people, we might get into it later on. And to him shall be the obedience of 
the peoples, okay? But from Judah's line will be the authority, the rulership. You guys see that with language of scepter, okay? He's going to be the ruler, one from Judah's line. Then you have verse 11. We're going to look at this later on too. I can't do this right now because we don't have the screen, but that's okay. This is another key theme that I think is going to be really interesting as we get into Isaiah. He says that in verse 11, Genesis 49, binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in wine and his vestures in the blood of grapes. And you're like, what in the world, Caleb? What? Okay. Think about this. You got a, a donkey, a colt, and he's tying him to like the choice vine. Like, whoa, this is a really nice vine. What do you think that horse is going to do? He's going to eat it. Okay? So generally speaking, when you tie up your horse, do you tie him up to like the greatest vine you possibly have, or do you tie him to like just a stump where he's not going to eat anything? The stump, right? Right? Okay? So he's already looking forward to a point where prosperity is going to be so great in the land that it's just like, hey, you can tie up your horse, and he's just going to plow down that super good fruit. He can just eat it, Right? And look at the second half. And he washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. Like, it's like, we're going to be so chilling, you can wash your clothes in wine. Do you guys see what, what he, he's pointing forward to? An immense time of prosperity. You guys see that? Tracking with me? Okay. That's a key theme that we're going to look at throughout as we look into the prophets. Okay. Exodus 19. Exodus 19, verse 5. Oh, oh. I wonder if I just have too many things going on on my computer here. It says it is mirroring, but it is not mirroring. Sorry. We can deal with that next week. Exodus 19, verse 5. So this is in the context of the giving of the law, Mount Sinai, right? Now, therefore, he's talking, God speaking to Israel. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice... And keep my covenant, the Mosaic covenant. You will be, oh, my computer's freaking out here. You will be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. Now catch this, verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Well, priests intercede for others. So Israel's designed to be a kingdom of priests. A kingdom where the other nations come and see. They're designed to intercede on behalf of the other nations. That the other nations come to them. That they are to be a what? Verse 6, a holy nation, a holy people, a treasured possession for the sake of blessing all the other nations, right? Now, do you see how that connects with Genesis 12? Israel, they're supposed to bless the other nations. They will be blessed by God to bless others. We see that continue throughout in Exodus. How are they going to do that? What do you guys think? Do they, uh, do they succeed in that? No. They fail. Right? right after the giving of the law, Exodus 32, we have the golden calf. It's like, dude didn't even make it down from the mountain and they failed. And we know, going back to Genesis, what's their problem? They have a heart problem. Something needs to happen with their heart. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit just because I don't have time. Exodus 34.10, just write this in your notes if you want to look it up later. It's already anticipating a new Exodus, Okay. Exodus 34.10 is already anticipating a new exodus, and that's really important because we're going to see that 
in the prophets. Exodus 34.10, Moses comes down from the mountain. This is the re-giving of the law. And he says, I'm about to do wonders that won't even compare to what I just did in the Exodus in Egypt. All the nations are going to see what I'm going to do. And that's really important when we come to the prophets. That's Exodus 34.10. Look at it later. Leviticus 26. Okay, don't turn there. I got to move through this quick too. Same thing there. You're going to see that language of, if you obey, I will bless you and you will be fruitful and you will multiply. It's the same thing with the Levitical code, all that stuff. You're like, well, what's the point? It's all anchored to that Genesis agenda of being fruitful and multiplying and be a blessing to all the other nations. And he says, I will bless you if you obey and I will curse you if you disobey. Okay? And this is really important. And you're going to see this in Deuteronomy too, especially when we come to the prophets where we're spending a lot of our time. All the curses that fall on them aren't like, hey, where did this come from? Like God said it in Leviticus. If you do this, this is going to happen to you. If you obey, I will bless you. If you disobey, I will curse you. That's Leviticus 26. Okay? Um, Numbers 24, 17. I can just read it real quick. We're running out of time. This is really interesting. Just write this down. This is Balaam's prophecy, a donkey. This is a fun, fun passage. Okay? And it's interesting. Um, Balak, the prophet, he actually wants to prophesy in favor of the um, enemy king. I can't remember his name. But God compels him. No, you're going to speak favorable words to Israel. And he says this, verse 24, chapter 24, verse 17. He says, I see him, but not now. And he's, again, talking about this coming Messiah. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter. Scepter. It's that same language we saw in Genesis 49. He's continuing. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. So that's another interesting prophecy that we see continued. A ruler, a Messiah, the seed, he's still coming. Deuteronomy 17, turn there real quick because this is interesting. Deuteronomy 17, verse 14. Timmy knows what I'm about to do. Deuteronomy 17. This is another just passage that it's like, oh man, I need to. A lot of these, I'm not saying you need to memorize these, but you, you want to be familiar. Because sometimes you're like, I don't know what's going on in the Old Testament. And this is why I actually like Dominion and Dynasty so well. You can just turn there and it's like, oh yeah, that's what Exodus is about. Oh yeah, 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 that's what's going on in Isaiah. Oh yeah, 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 that's right. I remember from this passage, this is why this makes sense. Deuteronomy 17 verse 14. You can just write, the law of the king. The law of the kings. When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you and you possess it and dwell in it and then say, I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are around me. Generally speaking, should they be like all the other nations, or should they be God's nation to bless the other nations? The second, right? That was a complicated question. (laughs) But they should be distinct. It's not good that they want to set a king above them. Come down to verse 16. Here's what he says. The king can't do this. Only he must not acquire many horses. For himself, or, or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses, since the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Shall not acquire many wives, lest he turn his heart away, nor shall he acquire himself excessive silver or gold. Okay? Here's what I'm trying to get at. You can just write this down. This is not original with me. Gold, gals, giddy up. Three G's. The king can't have, he's not to acquire for himself these three things. 
gold, gals, giddy up. And you're like, dude, what? I don't care. Okay? No, this is actually really amazing. Just You can turn there. I was just going to bring it up on the screen. After the Davidic covenant, which we're going to get there. I remember I read this. I was like, this is fascinating. That you see how amazing the text is. There, there's no words that it's like, I don't know why this is here. If, we, if you don't know, do more homework. Because there's a reason. 2 Samuel 7 is the Davidic covenant. And it's just amazing. Okay, the, 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 the Messiah is going to come from David. Okay? And then in chapter 8, right after the Davidic covenant, it's talking about David's victories. 2 Samuel 8, verse 4, talking about his victories. Second half says, And David hamstrung all the chariot horses, but left enough for a hundred chariots. What's he acquiring to himself? Horses, giddy up. Strike one. Look down at verse 7. And David took the shields of gold. Strike two, gold. And you're like, hey, where's gals? 2 Samuel 11, David and Bathsheba. Do you see how the text is even? But again, it's like if you don't remember that from Deuteronomy 17, you actually see even in the text, okay, Davidic covenant, who's going to be the guy? The author's already cluing us in in chapter 8. It's not going to be David. He's not the true coming king. So Deuteronomy 17, remember that. Gold, gals, giddy up, okay? All right, we've got to move fast. Deuteronomy 30. Uh, you don't have to turn there. Deuteronomy 30. Verses 1 to 10, just write this. It's already anticipating a new covenant. Already anticipating a new covenant. There's a problem with the old one because it's not dealing with the what? The heart. That's the problem. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. God finally promises that he's going to do something with the heart. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. So Israel can't fix themselves, but God is saying, I'm going to fix you. There is a coming day when I will finally work in the heart. Okay, Deuteronomy 30, 1 to 10. Flip the page. You're like, Caleb, we have two minutes. I know. That's why I said we're going to go another week. All right, Ruth. We, we didn't, you guys didn't talk about this in Old Testament 1, which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, because Ruth, sorry, I'm, I'm just being honest. Ruth really is the diamond in the rough of the book of Judges, okay? It's the diamond in the rough, yes, we have a daughter named Ruth, yes, right? Um, but Ruth 1.1 even starts with this. Look at, look at Ruth 1.1, or I'll just read it. The ESV does not translate this well. It says, in the days when the judges ruled. It's literally when the judges judged. So Ruth 1.1 is cluing us in, hey, this is taking place in the context of Judges. And Judges is what? Is it good or bad? It's horrible. Trick question, right? Super bad. Everyone is doing what's right in their own eyes. And then you come to Ruth 1.1. says, in the day when the judges judge. And you have this beautiful story of redemption. And then you come to the end of Ruth. Ruth 4, verse 17. Go there real quick. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name. This is the son of um, Ruth and Boaz. The son has been born to um, Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And you guys, you know your Bible. Oh, wow, that's great. Hey, David's the guy. So there's still hope. In, in this horrible darkness of judges, Ruth shines brightly. That there is still 
hope. There is still a coming king. And that's when we come to 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel 7, just write this down. I mean, it, you can spend a whole class, really, on, you know, weeks on 2 Samuel 7. But everything builds up to this. The whole Old Testament is going to 2 Samuel 7. It's moving here, and it's, I, I don't, maybe repackaging it and pushing it forward, okay? 2 Samuel 7 is key. You need to know that. You have the, the promise for a descendant uh, from David. There's going to be land, right? We see that earlier in Genesis 12. The promise of land, that's picked up again in 2 Samuel 7. There's going to be rest. There will be a day when Israel is no longer afflicted. There's peace. He's going to give them a great name. There's going to be seed. There's going to be a great house. There's going to be covenant love and eternal kingdom, okay? 2 Samuel 7 is vital. Go read it after this afternoon, something like that, okay? 2 Samuel 7. And the key going into the end of the Old Testament is who's going to fulfill 2 Samuel 7. I've already argued 2 Samuel 8 and 11 showed David's not the guy. He didn't uh, keep the law of the kings. Turn, this is our last passage, 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4. This is a really, really important passage that I think a lot of books don't spend much time on. First Kings 4. This is Solomon. I think Solomon gets a bad rap, rightly so. Um, but for, for a, a lot of sinfulness, he's fallen like the rest of um, you know, our heroes of the Bible. But the Bible really portrays Solomon as this amazing king, the greatest king, okay, with his wisdom. And I would argue this passage, 1 Kings 4, verse 20. Judah and Israel were as many as the sand by the sea. Now, just think, it's a little different. But what does that maybe remind you guys of? Abraham. What did he say? Your descendants are going to be like the stars in the heaven. They ate and drank and were happy. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. We didn't have time to talk about this. Right now, Genesis 15, 18. Genesis 15, 18 is where God gives, here's the land that you are going to have eternally for possession. Genesis 15, 18. And guess what the land is? From the Euphrates to the border of Egypt. And what does 1 Kings 4.21 say? Solomon ruled over that region. And there are as many as the sand by the sea. They brought tribute. Does that sound like maybe Genesis 49? So the text is already cluing us in. Maybe this is the guy. Solomon's provision for one, and this is amazing. Verse 22. Like, look at how prosperous they are. Just Solomon's provision, like just his house, all this flour, 10 oxen for a day, whoa, 20 cattle, 100 sheep, I'm not even talking about deer, gazelles, roebucks, fat and fowl, he had dominion over all the region west of the Euphrates, over all the kings of the west, he had peace on all sides around him, and Judah and Israel lived in safety from Dan even to Beersheba, every man under his vine, listen to this, this is so key for the coming weeks. Every man under his vine and under his fig tree. Remember that maybe in Genesis 49, 11, where he says you're going to tie your colt to the vine? Amazing prosperity. Well, here they're prospering like that. But we know Solomon the guy. Solomon's not the guy. Solomon's not the guy. No, he falls miserably. And he is not the coming Messiah. And that's where you guys ended Old Testament 1, right? The northern kingdom, 
taken into exile. The southern kingdom, taken into exile. Okay? And now what we're doing, I can't get it up on the screen. I'll try to get it up next week. Is we kind of have a pause in the storyline. Okay? We're kind of at this period where now we have the prophets. Okay? We're going to spend a lot of time looking at Isaiah. We're going to spend a lot of time looking at Jeremiah and Ezekiel and the minor prophets. And by the way, minor doesn't mean unimportant. It just means they're small. They're very important. Okay? They're just small books. Okay? But they're taken into exile. Where's the hope? And the prophets are saying, hey, guys, don't forget God's agenda. It is not going to be thwarted. God is faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his people. We'll pick up on this page next week. If you want, if you got it for your homework, people, if you need to uh, talk to me afterwards, I can't get it up on the screen. Um, read Isaiah, okay? So Dempster's section in Isaiah, okay? We're going to try. I think we can. We'll be fine. You guys are like, this class isn't going to work, man. Um, I think we can get through the first chunk of Isaiah, okay? But it's amazing stuff. Was it, is this fun to anyone? Like, wow, this is awesome. Okay, my wife answered yes. All right, okay. All right, okay. I'm excited. I'm really excited. So if you can listen to those first two lectures, if you're confused, text me. I might ghost you and never text you back, but just text me. Um, I will try to text back. No, I will. Communicate with me. I think this is going to be fun. All right, let me pray. God, thank you for your word. Help it to change us. Help us to be more conformed to the image of your son, that we would grow in godliness as a result of this study in the prophets. Bless this day. Amen. If you have questions, come talk to me.